Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast, and today we have a, a very special owner. I'm super excited about this, um, Alexander Velohorsky with uh, Advanced uh, PT in Alaska. Uh, super unique story about how um, Alex came into uh, the PT world, and uh, welcome to the podcast here, Alex. Thank, thank you for having me. Awesome. Happy to be able to share my story. So uh would love to, and I know you've shared this uh, personally with me, but would love for you to share, how did you get into physical therapy? Because you're not a, a physical therapist clinician, but you're in the business of PT. Yeah. So I uh, I started in PT three years ago. Um, and I that wasn't something I planned or something. It was within the scope of my career when I started uh, or when I, you know, was looking into my future. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer from Breckland. I have a master in business and I've always worked for big industrial companies. So automotive first. And then uh, I started working for airlines and airports. And uh, up to three years ago, I was managing airports in South America. Uh, my brother-in-law, well, it, more than brother-in-law. I mean, he, he and I are married to a couple of sisters. So we're, you know, very tight family. Uh, he's a physical therapist, and uh, we spend a lot of time together with great friends. And he moved up here to Alaska to work at this physical therapy clinic uh, in 2018. I came to visit in 2019, and during that visit, we got to sit with the with the original owner and founder, uh, Valerie Phelps. She founded this company 23 years ago, and they were talking about the struggles struggles they were having in terms of you know managing the business, growing, finance, that kind of stuff. And I and I told her at that time, can I see some of your financials? Let's see what, what I can, maybe I can give you a look. And I pointed some stuff out that uh, she found relevant at the time. She was starting to look into retiring. So I would say that six months later, I got a call from my brother-in-law saying, hey, she's going to retire. How about we join in this business? I would like to do it, but I would like you to join me and, you know, help me on the on the back end and i figured well that's just you know good opportunity to become independent to have my own business and i said how hard can physical therapy be after i'm managing airports with you know uh, thirty thousand employees and and you know a lot more space and, and equipment and it turned out it's, it's actually harder uh, there's way less resources and uh, way less processes defined and there's a lot of things to do here so I, I took that bait. I came up here to Alaska in 2020, and we took over the clinic at that time. So June 2020, middle of the pandemic, which actually made it worse because we were negotiating this through 2019. So I had to just you know hit the ground running to keep the business open. And uh, so I, I pretty much, our clinic is owned. We're four owners at the time. Right now, sorry, we got two who are PTs, uh, my brother-in-law, the other is a more senior PT. He's been with the practice for the last 20 years. Uh, and, and the CFO and I, that I actually worked as a, C- a COO in this case. So I took over the marketing, the operations. And and we've been trying to, for the last three years, make this make, make this group turn into, into a growing practice instead of just a stale practice where it was. Yeah. 
Great. So let's go back to 2018 when you first looked at the the number. That was 2018, 2019 when you first 2018, looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, what was the practice like then that you remember? So the practice is a it's a big group. It's actually the biggest uh, privately owned group of uh, PT in in Alaska. We have uh, five clinics or five clinics at a time. Now we have seven uh, with two satellite locations. Uh, the major issues that we're having is the uh, same issues we're having today, although most of them, which is rotation of staff, uh, not having enough staff to grow. And but that, there was a point where when the clinic started, there was a lot of job, a lot of work put into you know, establishing within the community, getting in contact with the referrals, you know how that is, going to the doctors, making sure you're getting a patient flow. Once that volume began and the clinic grew to a certain size, they kind of stopped. At that point, all of the owners were uh, were PT, so they were happy that the clinic had grown and they just turned back into doing their, their service to the community through PT, but not into keep growing the business or where is this going? So, Bigger groups or more of the national groups started coming into Alaska, and then we started having some competition there. And I could tell that you know uh, revenue was decreasing. That was that was evident because of well many things that we already know. Not only the reimbursement being cut, but also uh, due to competition, we were getting less patients. So my first job with Daryl, what I said is, well, we got to start doing some community work again to establish ourselves as the experts to be able to get patients through the door. To be able to increase our volume and make sure that we're utilizing the space as much as we can. Because one of the questions I ask is, well, do you know exactly how much money you can make with the space you have right now? So what do you mean? Well, so pretty much what you're doing as a as a clinic is renting space, right? And actually it was funny because their face was like, What what do you mean? No, no, we do physical therapy services. Like, yeah, yeah, that the service is great. But how much more can you grow? What happens after you fill all of the rooms? Well, we need more space. Yes. So you're renting space per time. In our in this particular case, it was one hour per patient in each treatment room. So we can calculate quickly how much money the group can make with the current facilities, right? And then we can see where we are. And then, well, what do you need to grow to that? At least 75% capacity or 85% capacity of your of your uh, of your space. Uh, so that's how the discussions began into into utilizing the space and, and seeing it as a business and not only as the service that you were providing. Great. So you, you mentioned the gap, right? Yeah. Between your experience of managing 30,000 employees in an area, where are we at in South America? So I was located in Chile, but I manage everything from Ecuador, Peru, uh, Chile, of course, and Argentina for the uh, Latam Airlines, which is the biggest airline in South America. Got it. So, and uh, that it, when you came into PT, we don't have a lot of processes in place, many systems and few resources. So what was the most shocking thing other than the revenue per square foot? For me is that uh, I, I went into the meetings that they have with the clinic managers and they were discussing proficiency. And like, okay. So this guy would say, oh, we had great proficiency this week. We had, you know, 93%. Okay. And I, and I asked the question, like, well, how many PTs do you have? So we have two. How many can you fit in that space? Well, five. So you got two that are 93%, and then you got all the three rooms that are empty. So that's not good. That's like a very crappy week. You know? So they were like, oh, so we start, we got to start looking at things differently because you're looking at, at I got this group and I'm, I'm they're busy, which is great. 
and that's good. But then once again, you're paying rent for the whole space and you're paying, you know, all of those costs you have added there. And we, you gotta, you know, you gotta look into the proficiency of the clinic. That's great, but also the capacity utilization as a whole group. Yeah. So it was a lot of shift in, in, in that, in that sense. So that was my biggest shock that like, okay, you're not measuring the right stuff and uh, you're being content with some indicators, but they only show half of the picture. Yeah. I, spot on. So it, just in that example, if you have two clinicians, full-time clinicians that are 90% utilized or 93% utilized, I think is what you said, but the, the, you have enough space for five clinicians. That to me is like 36% capacity. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty well. Okay. I, I completely get it. I'm tracking you. Um, so I was telling like we might as well rent those space out to, I don't know, massage therapists or a psychologist, whatever you want to put in there. And that will make it more profitable. So well, we don't want to do that. Of course we don't. We want to grow within the PG. Yeah. So in, in that example, you and you talked about rotation of staff. Mm -hmm. So you're you're in Alaska. Um, I'm gonna assume square footage is pretty premium that you're paying a lot per square foot. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh so the key thing about Alaska, and I was just on a meeting a couple of weeks ago with the with the mayor of Anchorage, is that we have a rotation of people going on through the whole year. So there's people leaving and people arriving. And the, the balance is a negative one. We have more people leaving than actually arriving. So the, pretty much the population of Alaska remains the same, which is 700,000 people, but we got around 180,000 that rotate every year. So we know our staff are going to be here on a limited time. So they're, they're going to leave eventually. Our patients are also rotating. So we get new people coming in, but some people that leave. So it's something that we have to understand that that is a status quo and we have to deal with that. We're not going to be able to change that. So all of our recruitment and everything just goes in hand with understanding that they're going to be here for a period of time. We want to keep them as much as possible if they're good, but they are going to leave at some point. Yep. So you said 700,000 people in the entire state. Yep. 180,000 new every year. Yeah. So basically every four, three or four years, the entire population yeah. is new. Yeah. The, the question when you meet somebody here in Alaska is, where are you from and how long are you staying? Okay. Got it. So you're, you're bucking the trend now that you're in your fourth year in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Having said that, recruiting therapist, you know, is a national challenge. I'm I'm sure it, being in Alaska has its own unique challenges as well. Can you talk about wh what that's like for you, um, what it was like back in 2018, 2019, how that's changed over the last few years and anything that you can share in terms of um, I mean, it's beautiful, by the way, you know, I you know that I was just there um, yeah. a few months ago. Absolutely amazing. But uh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that wears off when there's eight feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> Actually, over the last uh, 10 days, we've had uh, five feet of snow. Wow. Ten. <laughs> we've just been dumped on a, on a full winter storm over the next last 10 days. So we went from no snow to being buried. But that's that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> what, and what's the weather like in, in Chile right now? Uh, actually, Chile is on the other side of the world, so they're in summer. They're yeah, yeah. I, I'm right aware. So, yeah, so it's probably, you know, 80 degrees and then <laughs> so, i got it 
Okay. Uh, so as you were saying, um, so recruitment before, surprisingly, we had people. So let's start from the beginning. There's no PT school in Alaska, which means every single provider we have, we brought out from somewhere else in the U.S. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is that we used to have people waiting to come into a practice. We'll put up an app, you know, open up something in Indeed, for example, or Mebu, and people would actually, you know, apply to that, and we would have two or three there. We will actually find them up for interviews here, get them to see the clinic, do a more thorough process. Uh, during COVID, we lost, I would say, like 40% of the staff, which decided to go home. To back to their home state so that was a big hit and we have to make work with make do what we had so that was a big setback and we've, we're still trying to recover to the volume that we had or where we to manage before covid and then things pretty much changed to mostly travelers the ones who wanted to come to alaska were under a traveler contract they wanted to come for 13 weeks maybe 26 some we were able to keep for a year so we had to pretty much change our strategy to a more of a well what can I offer you that would make sure that you stay here for at least a year and a half? And then we will work from there. So we started working with universities and with our, we're part of a residency program. So come out of school, come to Alaska, do your residency here, and hopefully stay longer. Yeah. So when you talked about working with universities, what were you doing there? Uh, pretty much we just... Uh, we uh we are, we partner with the IOM, so there's some courses that are taught at university or some universities that are, that are tied also with the IOM with their program at uh, the PT school. So what we do is that we whatever courses they took already are part of their residency, are are accounted towards their residency. So the, we we want their top guns, so their their best PTs to pretty much compete for a spot to come to do the residency in Alaska which are going to be paid for by us. So they get full salary and all the benefits and all the moving bonus and all that stuff we have to throw in. And they come here and they do a residency, which takes 18 months. Uh, what do we get? We get one of the best the best people at the school coming up here. We get to train them for, for a year and a half. And usually they tend to stay at least one more year after residency. So we know we can around have them for around three years, two and a half, three years. Nice. And what... What percentage of your staff is, say, permanent more than five years versus rotational? How much? Around 30%. 30% are permanent. Seventy percent. Meaning that they've been with us for more than five years. Yeah. Seven locations. How many cl total clinicians? Right now, we're at 37. Okay. Uh, yeah. Did the website, and I was going to guess 35. So, got it. Yeah, yeah. So, the website only has our fit, I mean, hired staff, not the travelers. We still are depending a lot of travelers. So we have, yeah. I would say right now, we have must have about around 10 travelers working okay. uh, with us, yeah. Got it. Um, okay, so the other thing that you mentioned, Alex, is uh, competition, some chains moved in, some national players moved into your area, and you wanted to do community work and really increase demand for your services. Can you talk about what, what that looked like in 2018, 2019, and what you were looking to improve there? So uh, it has to do a bit with the marketing as well. So at, at the time, there was no community work being done or any anything giving back to the community. It was just doing the service of the physical therapy and just the work and the relationship with the doctors and the referral sources 
and the partnerships with uh, you know the pain doctors and the surgical centers and the or uh, orthopedic doctors that kind of stuff. Um, one of the jobs I took when I came here is well, I need to make sure that we're getting people into the door, and I tried as a non-clinician to visit doctors, and that was just slam door in my face, and nobody would see me, and those that would would actually not take me seriously. So I figured, well, how can I jump over this? And that's where actually we got in touch with Breakthrough. We started doing the the workshop, which was pretty much the idea of reaching out to the community, being able to do uh, get our patients directly uh, from from those from the workshops and the marketing, and being able to get people to the door, not depending on the referrals, which we still do some work with, but. But uh, got it. to steer away from that one. Yep. So the physicians, um, you attempted to do that, and that was basically like a luncheon, like meet and greet with a doctor, and they would, yeah, yeah eat the pizza really quick and then get right back to patient care. I mean, just what, completely. What was that um, I don't think we're getting referrals from those actions because we're good and we do a good job, and uh, the patients heal. I think we're getting referrals out of that action because they remember that day to just send me some people. And then next day, somebody else will bring them donuts and they get the referrals that day. Yeah. So I figured that wasn't pretty much what we're trying to do more than actually show what we can do. And then now that we get the patient to be able to tell their doctor, yeah, but I want to go to physical advanced physical therapy, then we get the referrals directly from those who are giving, we are giving the service to. Nice. So now you're running. Um... With breakthrough, you're running ads that are driving to a workshop. So this is cold traffic marketing. Yep. You're primarily on. Uh, I think you're Meta, right? You're doing Facebook and yep. Instagram. Instagram, yeah. And, and oh, you're you're in the TikTok now. Yeah, we're doing TikTok for for the anchor location for now, and it's been pretty good. I gotta say. Oh, nice. Good for you, man. Um, so doing TikTok, driving people into a workshop, and you're running basically everything standard 45 minutes 10 hour educational content and then converting those people that are cold traffic over to a a, a paying patient yeah great um what so as the coo um in operations um and that being this your specialty in the practice what were the biggest hurdles challenges for you to overcome in rolling out that program I think it was the uh, culture, cultural change of uh, getting everybody within the organization to think about the efficiency and the performance of the practice of a business. You know that everything you do has to actually be contributing to the practice revenue, not just even though we're into the health system and medicine, and you know you have to be ethical about it. It's great, but it's still a business. It's not a charity, so. Having the front desk working efficiently, understanding that the value each patient brings and uh, refilling an open spot if somebody cancels or making sure the schedule is full and how that affects the, um, the business. Getting the PTs to understand that their time is valuable, and, but we need to be able to collect that. And that's what actually sets the value for their time. Uh, whatever we don't collect is charity and we're not in the business of charity. So all of the whole operation and, and, and making things work smoothly had to do with getting everybody in line with what we're trying to do at this time and it has been it's hard to steer a big ship so we haven't been able to implement everything that i wish uh we could but we're on the right path nice 
That what what's something that you you want to implement that you haven't been able to do so, uh, so far? cash paid services <laughs> we, do, we do dry needling we do laser we do um old style laser and we do uh blood flow restrictions and a couple other things that we're just doing pretty much right now for free um uh, so we're running into that uh the big change we did is that uh and we were actually starting january 1st is that we're switching from one hour treatment to 45 minute treatments yeah so that was also a big cultural change within the philosophy of the clinic that has been running that way for 23 years so and then eventually next year we'll start going into implementing those as well and i gotta say one of the things that i i i changed in my speech when i was you know pretty much preaching about the cash paid services was the that they're not selling they're prescribing yeah and uh it's a it's a mindset change for the for the pt thinking i don't want to be selling stuff to my patient so well you're actually prescribing to them because they're they will see a benefit out of this um so that's what the next stage would be uh when i started talking about this i got a lot of resistance of course like well we're doing it right now and then the patient's going to complain that now they're going to have to pay for it so well once again yeah it's a business the the, um what are what are reimbursements like in general? And I mean, you can give a range in the last. I'm not, I'm not the best one to ask that for because I don't see those specifics. I do know that we get, I think it's around 120. Yep. Uh, per visit. Uh, it's yeah, we do get more than uh, the average within the, yeah. the whole of us. But your, your costs are significantly higher, right? We're paying uh, $90,000 for a uh, new breath. Yep. Plus all the benefits. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think the space is a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Than the average. yeah. And, and you know, supplies in general and uh, cost of living here is higher as well. Yep. Got it. The So the competition, you rolled out the workshop model. You've been doing that for two or three years now. Yeah. It's, we're, we're starting our third year. Got it. And um, what what's that meant for your practice to have that in where – you don't have to go buy donuts anymore t- for the doctors, but you have people coming in and yeah. signing up for a workshop, getting educated and, and coming in. What's that meant for your for your I group? think it has been key to our recovery from 2020. It has boosted our numbers in terms of visits that we're receiving uh, and filling the schedule and also being able to compete with the hospital systems, which is there have been our biggest competitor right now. Because they're pulling our PTs with better salaries. And a lot of doctors are now, or practices are starting to get their own PT in-house. So being able to be seen within the community as the expert, as, as you know, the, we know what we're doing. We've been here for 23 years. We're locally owned and locally operated. All that stuff uh, has helped us a lot into keeping patients that would normally tend to go towards the, the PT practice that their doctor set up in their own office yeah so you're educating the community i'm doubting that the hospital is doing that yeah and the pops practice isn't doing that no no way right great so you're differentiated in the marketplace very cool um any other trends that you've seen in the last four or five years other than you know this the black hole of the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) that we went through um Uh 
I, you talked about the travelers. Um, anything else that you're seeing within the industry? Uh, because you're coming in with a, a fresh set of eyes working in under, other industries as a mechanical engineer. So anything else that you see that we should be no, aware of? I think of? that the, the, the biggest challenge is, I mean, once again, uh, I think there's four pillars to this industry. And uh, one is actually providing the physical therapy services. But the other is collecting the money that from the service you already provided from a from a person or an entity that is not the one to the service. So you provide a service to a party A, and then you're trying to collect from party B, who's an insurance company, and you actually make a claim. You don't send an invoice. You make a claim, which means that there's a percentage you're not getting. And then you need people to be able to provide that physical therapy service. So that's the HR and the recruitment issue we have. It's a big pillar for us. And then on top of that, you need marketing to be able to get people through the door to provide the service in the first place. So if you look at it that way, uh, the service of physical therapy is only one of the four pillars. I don't want to put a percentage to it, but if you do that, you're still not making, I mean, you're still not assured a revenue or that your business is going to be good. You can have your clinic full and you still might not collect or you not, might not have enough PDs or you might not have people coming through the door in the next couple of months. So. So the all of those four four legs from the stool have to be perfectly set so that you're actually growing and you're stable to be able to survive a pandemic or some other financial change. And then the second pillar, which is the one from the insurance companies and collecting that, is not making it easier. Yeah. So with the cut that we just got, you know, news from, confirmed, that's another hit. So now you got to be. 3%, 4% more efficient this year just to make the same amount of money. Yeah, brutal. Um, love what you did there, Alex. So just a quick recap on that. You have the treatment or providing the service. This is pillar number one. Number two is collecting for the service provided, making the claim. Number three, the third pillar is uh, recruiting people, growing your team to provide the service. And fourth is marketing to attract people to provide the services to. Um, that, that love that man that's great um any so if people are are hearing this and they want to learn more about you is there some place uh that they can go or learn more about your company or anything else hey, easy way to find reach out directly through my email or phone happy to to receive them. uh i don't what's have your, what's your email it's uh i it's a vielahorsky so <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes we'll put, yeah, we'll put, put it in the show there and uh, at aptak.com got it and, that's great uh, and, and that stands for advanced physical therapy of alaska yes yeah great um alexander vilahorsky thank you so much for for being here any parting words of wisdom before we no, sign off thank you for having me uh it's been great and i gotta say i wish to keep learning about this industry i mean it's not it's uh, it's very complex, and I didn't imagine it would be so when I started here. Great. Um, I do have one more question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, most influential book you read growing up that uh, that changed who you were. Uh, there was a book I, I forgot the name of the author. I will get back to you now. It was called Execution, and it was the art of getting things done. Nice. And uh, I gotta say that my biggest role in every job I've had is actually that is implementing and getting things done because making plans is easy. Having ideas is great, but actually 
you know, moving forward every day towards, you know, implementing your ideas, getting it done, executing, that's, that is the key. So that was it. I had that, I read that book fresh out of university on my first job. And I was my first boss or, and actually mentor. He was a great guy. He gave me the book and I said, you got to read this. This is going to be key. And it has been so until now. Very cool. I'll have to check it out. And we'll we'll uh, we'll link that in the show notes for everybody. Alex, thanks again for doing this, man. You're great. Thank you, Jack. Are you a practice owner with a growth mindset? You're looking to grow your revenues, leave a bigger impact, build a legacy, and help more people in your practice. Yet at the same time, you're dealing with the big challenges and headwinds like declining reimbursements, increased cost of doing business because of inflation, how to incentivize your staff, or deciding where's the best place to run your online ads. Growing a practice can be absolutely overwhelming. To help, Breakthrough has put together a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can schedule a risk-free growth consultation with a Breakthrough growth expert. On that call, you'll walk through what you're currently doing in your practice and what you could be doing to increase the demand for your services. Breakthrough's mission is to help people overcome their health challenges naturally. And the best way for them to do that is by helping private practice owners just like you through building more demand for your services. Go to breakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. On that call, you'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with Breakthrough Systems. As an added bonus, the team at Breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend the growth consultation. Sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer.